Lord, we just come right now and we just ask, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus. First of all, we just want to say thank you that we can even be in your house. As broken as we are and broken as the world is, Father, we thank you that there is a house for us to come to. We thank you, Lord God, that there is redemption for every heart and love for every soul. Father, we just ask, Lord, not just for us. Your grace of God, the grace of God is upon us because we are here, Father, but there are so many who are broken and hurting right now. Father, we just ask that your grace would be over our nation and come and heal us again, Lord God. We pray that your grace would be on every one of our neighbors. Father, I just pray for the power of God to be revealed here, Lord God, to change every heart and change every life in Jesus' name, Lord. I think 2020 was the year that the devil tried to kill us. Remember last year's Easter service, we did four uh, drive-through Easter services and we were here and we needed to socially isolate our cars too. Because cars get COVID. Listen, somebody you know needs an invite to church. 80% of people go to church because somebody they know invited them to church. And you're like, God, you can, you know what? Sometimes you need to stop praying and start inviting. And somebody you know needs to get out of their little hidey holes inside of their minds, inside of their hearts, and get out of their homes and come out and find out that all is not lost and that there is a a resurrection. They've been, okay, they've been in the grave for long enough. Let's, Let's get them back into the family of God. Let's get them back out into circulation. They can find out, wait, 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 wait. God is up to something. God is greater. It's good to pray for people. If you guys keep Pastor Aaron in your prayers, we lost our fish this morning. Laloid. Anybody's a fan of the Lego movies? Laloid. Our previous fish, his, his name was uh, Sushi. I don't know which one of our kids called him Sushi. They thought that was funny. We lost Laloid this morning. And I don't know how to handle that because my wife is actually like a little emotional about that because she loves animals so much. I just, about once a month, I would walk past the kitchen, the counter and be like, hey, we have a fish. So I don't know what to do. So I always crack a stupid joke or something. I was thinking to myself, like, if Lloyd gets to fish heaven, if there is such a thing, if Lloyd gets to fish heaven, what's he, is he going to talk to like Jonah's whale or something? Be like, what was it like having an entire prophet inside of your stomach? All was it uncomfortable? Was it weird? Tell me. That's what I do. If anybody needs help mourning, I'm, I'm your pastor. <laughs> Sorry for the disappointment. Can I get this mic up a little, please? Um, have you been enjoying this series called Little Things? Success in the future is not made up of the big things, little things. Great successes come from the little things. Today I've got a sermon called Digging Ditches. And I thought it's kind of appropriate to describe some areas of your life. You know, nobody wakes up on their day off. Have you ever done this? I've never done this. Wake up on your day off and be like, you know what I should do today? I should get a shovel. I should go dig a giant ditch in the backyard. My dad is the only one in this room who could honestly raise his hand. Because sometimes he just gets bored and just needs to dig a hole someplace else, you know. But for, for most of us, you know, like digging, digging a ditch is not something that, that you really appreciate when you're digging it. But you need to dig it. Sometimes a ditch just needs to be dug in your life. My, um, I had a, a friend of mine. Thanks, Sean. I had a different friend of mine than Sean. Uh, one time when we were in Mexico, I was with a group called Youth with a Mission. It was called YWAM, Youth with a Mission. And so, um, so a friend of mine, his name was Matt. He was from, from Canada, like I was. 
And, um, and we called him, we used to call him Little Arnie because he was from Austria or something and he was shredded. I wasn't shredded, so we, nobody called me Little Anything, just Corey. But he was like shredded. And one time we went in Mexico, we went to this, uh, um, to this church to help them um, during the week. And he was on the ditch digging crew. In fact, he was the ditch digging crew because they needed a ditch dug. So for a, uh, they were going to build like kind of a retaining wall, like a, you know, probably concrete or, or brick wall between their property and the next. He spent all day, little Arnie, swinging this, you know, uh, what, do you, what do you call that? I can't, pickaxe, right? Like a... It's not like I've never dug a ditch before, right? But he spent all day digging, all day. He dug this ditch two or three feet down, probably close to three feet down across this property. He gets out there the next morning and guess what happens? They're like, thank you, Matt. We appreciate you for digging that ditch. But we took some measurements last night. Maybe we should have done this before you started digging and we need the ditch moved three feet over because it's not on our property. Matt was like the, ha he was just the happiest, most optimistic guy. And he, he tells me after, he's like, Corey, I want to confess. YWAM is all about confessing sin. He's like, I need to confess. I was, I was mad all day digging the second ditch. Come on, everybody. I think sometimes you and I, we feel like that. You know, one time when I was an apprentice, I dug a ditch because being an apprentice back then was cheaper than getting a hydrovac truck. And we were trying to expose some electrical lines and and uh, so he sent the apprentice down there with a shovel in a hardened gravel pit. And I dug all day, just about all day, it took me to dig a, 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 a hole taller than I was. So like six foot five, maybe. <laughs> it's technically true. It's taller than I am. And about that wide, I took all day digging. You know what? I was not thinking all day while I was digging. I was not appreciating digging. Matt was not appreciating the ditch that he dug. Your life is full of... A thousand little ditches, a thousand little things that um, are not fun when you're doing them. All those little painful, necessary details we have to do. Think about your life right now. No, nobody appreciates digging ditches when you have to dig a ditch. I spent a lot of my time as an electrician. You know, in the early years, digging ditches. I was talking with, with John. He, he came from the electrical trade. You know, Digging ditches. Yeah, we used to dig a lot of ditches. He's like, well, the thing is, once you've asked an apprentice to do it, it's no trouble asking an apprentice to do it because you've had to do it all before. Digging ditches. What other things in your life that are kind of like that? If you're in the diaper stage, moms, like we love you. But you know what it's like. You just, you just change that diaper and like one, literally one minute later, you hear the inner workings of a child's <laughs> intestinal. And you're like, No. No. Got to do it all over again. So it's that, that never-ending stack of laundry, right? Like, it just, it never goes away. It just, it's always there. You can work at it, and then tomorrow it's there again, and the dishes are, and you have those things in your life, you know, maybe you go to work every day, and you don't particularly, you, you know what they tell you, like, hey, your job should fulfill you. No, it should put food on the table, right? Like, you know the feeling you got to wake up early in the morning and you got to go to work and you're just like every day it's this grind, this little painfully necessary details that make up my life where I'm not exactly happy doing them. I'm not exactly, I don't know that we appreciate them when we're doing them, but I think that God appreciates something about digging those ditches. I just hired somebody. I got to hire somebody again. 
I just went through the pain of this. I, gotta, I just replaced my windshield. I got to do it again because I followed Edwards driving his pickup too fast. You know, I just, there's these things that you, they just feel like never ending things that the grind, the, the daily things and the details that you have to do. How well you learn to dig ditches will determine the size of your life tomorrow. It's in the, it's in the ditches. I was in youth with a mission when I was like 18 and I thought, God, I could feel that maybe there was a call on, on my life to preach. And I thought, God, maybe by the time I'm 19 at the latest, I'll be preaching. That's what I thought, right? Because kids are dumb. No offense. No offense, youth. You're not dumb. You're totally different. <laughs> just the impatience, you know, just the, like the wanting so desperately something to happen immediately. And, and, uh, and I remember I was there and I called home. I made a phone call home because we were on this, like, uh, we'd gone on a mission trip to Mexico and we had this great time about five months away. And then I called home and I remember talking to my dad on the phone. I'm like, dad, they say that I'm YWAM material. You know, my dad's probably thinking, oh, YWAM material. Yeah, you can probably organize your way out of a paper sack, you know. If anybody knows YWAM, there's just horribly disorganized, you know. They, they get a lot of kids on the mission field, but, you know, like, the disorganization factor was, you know, a bit huge. Like, I, I was in charge of all the music when we went to Mexico. And so, I'm like, so where's the equipment that I need to take? And they're like, well, you're going to have to scrounge some up from around the YWAM base. And I did, man. If you've seen The Great Escape, like, I scrounged material, man. They didn't even know it was missing. And we got, we got our material to Mexico. I just put it in, like, unmarked boxes, and we got it there on our bus. But I... So I call my dad, and my dad's like, he goes, uh, well, he says, because the idea at the time was, um, why don't you come in, in, back to YWAM, do another thing, and then uh, raise support from people like you to stay there. And I know that my dad, think he's thinking, this is an 18-year-old kid that needs to learn how to work. Now, back then, I'd already had summer jobs since I was, you know, 14. So times have changed. But he's like, no. He goes, I want, he needs to learn how to work. My dad came from the business world. He's like, he needs to learn how to work. He needs to learn how to dig ditches. So this is our phone call. I'm like, dad, they say I'm YY material. I'm all kind of fired up. And he's like, actually, he goes, I, I got you a job with a guy named Steve, he's an electrician. And um, what, what he didn't say was the guys that work for him call him Satan, not Steven. <laughs> True story. And um, he didn't know that, he didn't say that. Would it have mattered? No. He's like, I got you a job and I bought you a car and you owe me $5,000. <laughs> and I'm like, it was quite clever of him. Like what kind of car? He knew there was something in my life that I was going to need to learn how to dig ditches. And uh, my dad always thought that, well, why would, you know, and we, we support missionaries and we support missions and that's great. But he's like, you're 18. You need to like raise money if you want to go on a mission trip. You know, raise money by working for money. Go on your own dang mission trip, you know. <laughs> Come on, Benny Church. Like, will you somebody else pay for your life? No, honey, you. And uh, my road to pastoring didn't go through Bible college. So if you're looking, if you're here and it's your first time and you're looking for like an intellectual church. I'm sorry. I, welcome to a disappointing church experience for you. Sometimes I feel a little underqualified because I didn't, you know, learn how to break up apart Greek words and stuff. And I've never been to Greece, so I don't know. 
It's nothing Google can't do, ironically. <laughs> now, I'm just going to say, like, Bible college in four years, you know, hey, Google, what's the, anyways. I tell my kids that all the time. I'm, I'm a terrible parent. Like, why are you learning that at school? Like, your phone does all that. <laughs> Come on, don't act like you don't have teenagers. Like, seriously, why are you learning that? That doesn't matter. Um, I feel like kind of underqualified, you know, pastoring people. And, and uh, But I, I, I had to learn, uh, my road to pastoring was kind of a long and tortured one. And I had to learn how to live and breathe around people like you that come to church and and. You know, people who tell bad jokes, and no, no offense. People with down in the trenches of life with hopes and dreams and failures and divorce. And, and um, it was good for me to go that route because I needed to learn how to dig ditches, but I didn't appreciate them when I was digging them. I was working with one guy who was so angry at God one time. I don't know why he was angry. It's not, not like he'd ever been to church or anything. It's like, you Christians, he always has something to say. I finally realized after years of working with them, I finally realized, you know, when you, when you grow up on the inside of church, it's really easy to start thinking after a couple of years, hey, it's us and them, like those on the outside and those of us on the inside, as if it's a club that's really exclusive, full of, you know, smart people. Also, welcome to the worst church experience of your life. You start thinking of us and them, and I finally realized, I felt like the Holy Spirit finally was like, you would be him if you had his dad and grew up in his house. You would be him. How much do you want to complain about it? You were lucky. You were fortunate. You had an opportunity he didn't have. Well, like, what, is our, I, I realized it wasn't us and them. It was all us. And just some people aren't here yet. And when we built Venue Church, we had to decide, do we build it for the people that are on the inside or do we build it for the people that we might reach? And Because you can't keep a church full of people happy. Have you ever met people? You can't keep people happy. Are we trying to keep you in church? Are we trying to, no, we're trying to reach people. It's the difference. It's the healthiest thing for the people on the inside to be like, hey, it's all us. We're just not all here yet. If you come to NXT lunch, a lot of you are signed up right now. Some of you have been coming to church. You haven't signed up for NXT to find out what's next for you. You get to sit down for lunch with me. You'll, you'll hear my thoughts about like, hey, it's not us and them. It's us. We're all in this together. We've got to get down into the trenches and learn how to dig. You know, what's the call of God on your life? Sometimes you, you look at the stage and you're like, well, I could never do that. Well, maybe you can't sing, so you're not going to go on the stage to sing. <laughs> but sometimes you look at it and you're like, well, I'm, I'm not called to full-time ministry. No, but you are. You're in it. When I was in like actual ministry, which is what I called the, my work in the trades world, when I left, some sort of light left them. Like I left that where I was with people far from God. I, I don't, I'm not there anymore on those sites. I'm not there anymore in their lives. I'm not there anymore on those phone calls. I'm not there when things fall apart. And I miss that. And I think to myself, what has God called you to do? There's, there's trenches you need to learn to dig today. Sometimes you think that your past qualifies you from working for Christ or from helping people. Your past disqualifies you. Only if it's not re redeemed, but God can redeem anything. God can heal anything. God can redeem any life, forgive any sin. Come on, Venue Church. God can bring any broken life and fix it. That doesn't mean we're going to have a life that's just happy and circumstantial, but you can have a life filled with joy and forgiveness and love and acceptance. Some people come into church and they're like, do I got to dress a certain way? I'm like, wear clothes. <laughs> like, do I have to act a certain way? I'm like, well, we'll work on it. 
but like, come, we love you. We love you before we even know you. But for God to be able to use you there, you need to learn how to dig ditches. You need to learn how to appreciate digging ditches. I started building. I didn't go to Bible college. I didn't go to cemetery, seminary. I didn't go. I didn't learn the Greek words of whatever. I didn't. I learned how to build. And I realized because I learned how to build, building a, a strong marriage is no different than building a building. No different. Building, building that four-year-old devil child. Learning how, come on. Oh, nobody's had a four-year-old child before. Learning how to build and be a good parent and build good children. It's no different than learning how to build a church. It's no different than what I learned. I just didn't know that that's what I was learning when I was learning it. Changing those diapers. You think, oh, well, I'm, I'm going to have to change another. It matters. Just, it matters. How many thousands of details didn't I appreciate? I didn't appreciate. You've got to sweep up after yourself in the trades world. Because when mom comes home after working all week and it's Friday night and you left a mess for her down the basement. That happened to me once. I learned sweeping is important. I learned you have to take care of the details. There's a thousand little trenches I didn't appreciate at the time until I started realizing, hey, I'm doing this for people. I'm helping people. I learned how to fix problems. I learned how to ask for help. All the painful, necessary little details. Now, this is, is a, a quote. I want you to take this home. The devil's isn't in the details. God is. The devil doesn't have the work ethic. The devil isn't in the details. God is. The devil doesn't have the work ethic. The thousand little painful necessary things that make up your life and make up your future. The devil's not in there. Actually, that statement, maybe you don't know this. That statement didn't used to say the devil's in the details. It used to be God is in the details. God isn't. The devil's in the details you missed. God is actually in the details. The ditch you dig today when you go home, has nothing to do with tomorrow and everything to do with it. You don't know it when you learn how to patiently parent, when you learn how, you don't know it, it has everything to do with tomorrow, while it has nothing to do with tomorrow in your mind. It was a major surprise to me when God moved me into the church world and told me to build church like I already knew how to build, because I was not a typical pastor. I feel kind of like bad about it sometimes, but I'm like, are you sure you don't want like a squeaky clean Bible college kid? There's some super nice kids out there. Vicky, I love you, Vicky. You're just shaking your head. Like, that's not what you wanted a pastor. Oh, thank you. Can you imagine somebody like me in a pastoral like employment meeting with a, with a group of old elders in a, like a typical like denominational church? I always tell people like, look, if you, if you like old school church and you like traditional, somebody asks me like, are you guys Catholic? I'm like, sort of. Sort of. I love, I love Catholic. I love all sorts of churches, but I tell people straight up. I'm like, if you like traditional, we don't do anything long enough to be a tradition, so we're not for you. <laughs> but like, hey, we're okay with that. But uh, can you imagine somebody like me in a hiring, like walking to somebody's church of a group of old elders, you know, uh, to, to like doing a, an intro, uh, like an interview, a job interview with somebody like me, like walking through a church and being like, what's that on the wall over there? Like in a church that needs an update, you know, like. What's that wall hanging over there? Like Sister Beatrice did that in 1956. I'd be like, well, call her to come get it. Because <laughs> dang, 
My neighbor going to walk in here and think like, this is going to be a, one of those weird movie endings. <laughs> you know, like, can we turn the music up? Is the music even on? Are those, are the speakers plugged in? Cause I don't know if they're on or not. <laughs> Imagine how awkward it was. <laughs> Maybe that's why we had to plant the church. I don't know. Um, you know, some things that I learned in, in the work world to me, you have to know, like, look, there's nothing wrong with the word committee, but around here, I just, the word committee to me, the word committee, we have teams. We don't have committees to me. Uh, if you're in the NXT lunch, you're going to like, we don't have committees. We have teams. And by the time a committee has formed to talk about something, you form a committee when you want to talk about something. We form teams because we want to do stuff. And by the time a committee is formed, we've tried it eight times and we know if it works or not. And, and it's just like, I already knew how to build. And God's like, well, build a church like that because building is building. And I realized, oh, all those ditches, all those little details, all the crawling under dirty old ditches and running tech cable and like all those things that I learned there. Well, there's a, times when you have to build a church, you have to decide whether you're going to try to save people who don't think they need saving or whether you're going to try to save people down in the ditch down in the, whether you're going to get some dirt under your fingernails, whether you're going to go down to those sinful places with people, whether you're going to be like, Hey, it's okay to come to church while you're full of sin. It's okay because God is greater than that. It's what kind of Christian, you know, what kind of person you want to come to church? People that have no problems. The trouble with church people is we think we have no problems. We forget. It's selective memory, man. I preached about pornography one time in a church and that was the last time that a young man who come to church, it was the last time he came to church because he said the pastor shouldn't preach about pornography, but he struggled with pornography. Well, what do you want me to preach about? Something you don't struggle with? Like, cause it's not proper. It's not well, sin. Maybe you haven't noticed, but the devil's busy breaking people and somebody got to get down there and we got to be a hospital and not some sort of cruise ship. You know, we got to be like saving people and dragging them out of the water. But yeah, your fingers get cold when that happens. <laughs> you know? We forget we're as bad as anybody. That all concrete cracks. You just got to try to get the cracks where they need to be, right? Like, come on, venue church. It's scary when sinners uh, get saved and turn into critics. All critics want to do is you just want to compare yourself to the, somebody who's not as sinful as you. So you feel a little better. But man, we're all on the same team. We, we all, we all got to get to the same place. Wars are won in the trenches. Digging ditches, I mean, it's the least glorious job, but somebody got to roll up their sleeves and get down on the dirt with people, start building. Jehoshaphat, we're studying the life of King Jehoshaphat. He makes another mistake in this passage. And, uh, and, he, and he comes and Elisha the prophet says something to him. And somebody come to church, you feel like, I just keep making this, I just keep doing the same dumb thing. It's the same dumb thing that he'd already, I've already preached about it. And, um, Somebody comes to church, you feel like God can't just use you, just you're so full of, you just keep doing the same dumb thing. What I want to say to you is, is listen to the word of the prophet, because God has a plan and God is greater than. And so, and that rhymes, and I just made that up in my head. <laughs> Take that Bible college. Take it. <laughs> now Bible college is now the enemy, right? <laughs> yeah, take that. We win, Bible college. After Ahab's death, remember Ahab and Jezebel? Well, Ahab dies. He gets shot between his armor. And um, the king of Moab rebelled against the king of Israel. So now his son Joram is in charge. And the king of Moab is tired of being under Israel. So he goes and tries to test the new guy. Joram promptly mustered the army of Israel and marched from Samaria. So he rebelled and he 
did what young people do. Sometimes you, you I, I said in the early service, I said like sometimes we, because I wanted to include myself in the young people, <laughs> make decisions that are too fast and then everybody called me out and I'm like, whatever. <laughs> sometimes you, if you're young, you know, you make fast decisions. You don't come up with a plan first and... On the way, he sent uh, his message to King Jehoshaphat of Judah, who's had this message before from Ahab and made the same mistake. He says, the king of Moab has rebelled. Will you join me in battle? Jehoshaphat replied, the same thing, you know. We just never learn. Why, of course. You and I are as one. It sounds all great. My troops are your troops, and my horses are your horses. Then he says this. Hey, the devil's in that detail that he missed, by the way. Put a little time on it. Put 24 hours on that decision. Be like, hey, I need to pray. Let me pray about it. Or if that would freak your, your friend out, just be like, uh, let me think about it. Let me ask somebody about it. Let me, before I start that, I love Christians, but every Christian wants a coffee shop because they like coffee. I love you, but man, I hope you enjoy selling 14,000 cups of coffee a day. Get a business plan, man. Like, get a plan. Don't just like march off to war. It's a, it's a war of coffee. You're not going to love coffee by the time you're done. No, it's like, do your homework. Then, he, then Jehoshaphat says, what route shall we take? We'll attack from the wilderness of Edom, Joram replies. It's like asking the first year apprentice, so what should we do? Well, I feel safe touching these wires. He does this thing that you and I do. We like pass off big decisions to people who don't have any success yet. Don't ask your single friend about marriage problems. Oh my goodness, guys. They don't know anything about marriage. Well, they think they do. I know. What do you know about something you've never done? Some people have lots of, they don't have marriage success, but they want to tell you what marriage is all about. It's like asking somebody who's not a mechanic, but who likes cars, how to fix your car. <laughs> One time in the trades world, we had a, I had a, a first year apprentice. He was new with us and we were running some tech cable through a, an arena so, you know, there's only so many places you can run, and it was going to be kind of complicated. It was super long. And so I'm like, okay, let's go here, 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 here. And he, go, he speaks up, and he's like, I don't know if I'm allowed to speak. And I'm like, you're not. And he says, well, what if we did it over here? And I looked at it. And it was way better, like way better of an idea. I'm like, shut up, man. You don't know how things work around here. And I'm like, all right, guys, this is what we're going to do. I just had this idea. <laughs> and he's like, oh, anyways, it was a good idea. Fine. So the king of Edom and his troops joined them and all three armies. So now there's three armies traveled along the roundabout route through the wilderness for seven days. Anybody feel like your life has been on the roundabout route? I mean, the past year for sure, but anybody been on the long road to nowhere? Man, I'm telling you, sometimes our marriages and our relationships get us. Sometimes our finance, we've been on the long road through the wilderness. There was no water for the men or their animals. I'm like, here's another detail that God could have been in. But the devil's in the one they missed. Like, ask the newbie. And he's like, sure, we'll take him by surprise because nobody's going to expect attack from the wilderness. Yeah, this because there's no water there and people die in wildernesses. So you get out there seven days and run out of water. What should we do? Then he does what you and I do. The king of Israel cried out, the Lord has brought the three of us here to let the king of Moab defeat us. Isn't that typical? your life you're like and then god left me alone and god's like i didn't what i didn't bring you there you brought you there you walked there you knocked on their door you answered their text i didn't tell you to do that 
what should we do? The king, the Lord brought us here, but King Jehoshaphat of Judah said, is there no prophet of the Lord with us? Right, another, you know, the devil's in this detail too. Like you, you could have got God in the detail and asked about the prophet before he did something dumb. But we just don't get it. If there is, we can ask the Lord what to do through him. One of King Joram's officers replied, Elisha, the son of Shaphat, is here. He used to be Elijah's personal assistant. So he's like, this guy is legit. Now, if you're Elijah, you've got to appreciate people who go on the journey through the wilderness with you. Because Elisha didn't need to be there. What's Elisha the prophet doing there, man? He's like, what are these idiots doing right now? Sometimes God sends you a friend that just because God is good. And he sends Elisha around there, and Elisha's like, but watch. Why are you coming to me, he says to the king of Israel, to Ahab's son. Go to the pagan prophets of your father and mother. But Joram of Israel said, this is like, he's, he gets up and riled up. Like, he just get fired up. And he's like, what are you doing coming to me right now? I don't, even, I don't even like you, man. He says, no, for the Lord called us three kings here only to be defeated by the king of Moab. Like, just because you keep telling yourself a story doesn't make it true. And Elisha's like, the Lord would. And watch what he does. Watch what he does. Watch this. God, God is in this detail in his life. This little ditch that he dug. He's like, as surely as the Lord Almighty lives, I wouldn't even bother with you except for my respect for King Jehoshaphat here. Look, sometimes hang out with better people. Because you might get a, a, a word of God as a byproduct of his, God's respect for somebody who's dug some ditches that you haven't dug. And he, he replies, um, now bring me someone who can play the harp. Watch this. While the harp was being played, the power of the Lord came upon Elisha. This is, this is a very important detail here because he's, he's getting riled up and he's getting angry like you and I do. And then he's like, just let me just play a song on my guitar. Now let me just find this guy. We don't know the name of whoever came with a harp who packed a harp along, but he's just like, I need to calm down. Come on, moms and dads, like just put some noise canceling headphones, get your worship on. Before you discipline that child, before you have that conversation, before you talk to that employee, man, get your worship on a little bit. He's like, I just need to calm down. I got to make sure that my temperature is God's temperature because I, I can say all the right things. But if I'm coming at it wrong, it's going to be all the wrong things. I can say every, everything I say was true and painful because, you know, he said, this is what the Lord says. This dry valley will be filled with pools of water. Now. In the Greek, not here in the Hebrew here, <laughs> take that Bible college. You said I couldn't. No, um, in the language this was written in, um, the NLT, I preach out of the NLT mostly. I, I love that version of the Bible, that translation. But every other version that I've, you know, looked at, it, it said this. And he said, thus says the Lord, make this valley full of ditches. That word ditches in there. Make the valley full of ditches. Make the valley full of ditches. This is when you think that you can't go any lower than you, you are. You're not on the mountain anymore. You're in the valley and you think you can't go lower. And God says, dig it lower. Come on now. You think that you can't experience any more from that person. And God says, dig a ditch a little bit lower. Dig it lower than you are. Go deeper. Hurt more. Come on. Stay. Work it out. One more. One more. Dig one more ditch. Dig one. And when you dig it, dig another ditch. 
You will see neither wind nor rain, says the Lord, but this valley will be filled with water. You will have plenty for yourselves and for your cattle and other animals. See, the problem in your life is not God's ability to make it rain. The problem with your life is their problem here that in the valley, in the dry wilderness and in the valley, there's nothing there to contain the miracle. Which means I was in a rainstorm in Haiti one time and the land is full of this like red clay. And if you've, you've been in torrential rainstorms in these tropical countries, man, it will sheet rain for like an hour. You can't even walk in it. But all that water hits that clay and goes straight to the sea. And 20 minutes of sunlight, and you don't even know that it rained. Everything dries up again. That's your life. He's like, the, prob the problem is not rain. The problem is not water. The problem is not what God can do. The problem is that you can't contain it and keep it. Dig deeper. Get down on the valley and dig deeper. What are they going to dig ditches with? They're thirsty. They're tired. That's when it's time to dig a ditch. They didn't bring shovels. They, didn't, they weren't going to a, a thing where they dig stuff in the ground parties. Bible college. Whatever. Could have used Bible college there. They didn't have any shovels. What do they have? Maybe swords. Maybe whatever they picked up on the farm to go and fight with. You don't fight with a shovel. What are they, man, there would be guys on their hands and knees digging through that ground with getting their hands dirty, getting dirt under their fingernails, dig ditches. You only get what you can dig a ditch to keep. The ditch you dig down in the dirt with people will sustain you one day. God is, listen, if you could dig a ditch and sustain yourself, it would make sense to you, but you could still be selfish and proud. But God sometimes says, dig a ditch for that person that I told you to befriend. Dig a ditch for them. Because that ditch that you dig for somebody else is going to fill you one day. You don't think it will. It will fill you one day. This is only a simple thing for the Lord. Elisha says he will make you victorious over the army of Moab. But if you're too classy to dig, you're going to be too classy to win. The next day at about the time when the morning sacrifice was offered, another detail that God was in. But that he's still at war. You're still at war in your marriage, but you still woke up and gave God the first part of your day. You still woke up and read your Bible and prayed and listened to worship music. You still. Water suddenly appeared. It was flowing from the direction of Edom, and soon there was water everywhere. It didn't say that it rained here. Sometimes you want it a certain way. Naaman the Syrian, he says, I'm coming to the prophet. I want him to come and wave his hand over the place, it says in the Hebrew. I want him to wave his hand over the place and say something magical like the movie I saw, and that's how I want it. And the prophet's like, go dip in the muddy, gross Jordan River seven times and I'll heal you. And he gets mad about it. Sometimes you're like, I want it to rain this way so that my husband, my... I want it this way, so my boss, but God, here's, here's the deal. It might not rain on you, but it takes a bit of time for the rain to come from the mountains. And maybe it started raining when you started digging. Maybe it doesn't start raining in the mountains till you start digging and you don't get it for a little while, but it's coming. 
It's coming. You just got to start digging. Meanwhile, when the people of Moab heard about the three armies marching against them, they mobilized every man who was old enough to strap on a sword. And they stationed themselves along the border. But when they got up in the morning, the sun was shining across the water, making it appear red to the Moabites like blood. It's blood, they exclaimed. Watch how silly the enemy gets. Watch how deceived they get. The three armies must have attacked and killed each other. Let's go, men of Moab, and collect the plunder. Now they're going, thinking they're going to collect the plunder. And they're not ready mentally for a war. Sometimes the devil comes to your life and he thinks he's going to collect the plunder. And he's not ready for the war you're going to give him. And sometimes the ditch that you dig, come on, worship loves this one, keeps the lion of the tribe of Judah at the watering hole. And when the devil shows up, he's like, oh, I can't handle this detail for you. When the Moabites arrived, come on, Bible college, that was on me. Maybe the Holy Spirit. When the Moabites arrived at the Israelite camp, the army of Israel rushed out and attacked them until they turned and ran. The army of Israel chased them into the land of Moab, destroying everything as they went. What ditch does God want you to dig? This is how we have to talk about ditches. Those little things. I don't have to love this man. I get to. I don't have to forgive her. I get to. I don't have to do this thing and wake up and go to work every day, but I get to. I don't have to dig a ditch, but I get to because God's reign is coming and I see it. I just don't have it yet. I get to. Parenting is a war of ditches. Whoever digs the most ditches wins. Whoever digs the most ditches gets the best kids. What ditch does God want you to dig? Sometimes it feels like you're digging your own grave when you're digging a ditch. But you're digging a garden for somebody. We're going to sing a song called Graves into Gardens where I'm preaching next in Easter. Graves into Gardens. Listen, it feels like when you're digging a ditch, you're digging your own grave, but you're not. You're digging a garden.